This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Kia ora. As you may be aware, Cat Pose passed suddenly last week. This is a tremendous loss. NPR is working with Cat's colleagues in fat activism to put together a special memorial show, and in the meantime, we will be playing her milestone 100th, 200th, and 300th episodes so that we can remember Cat as she was here on air, triumphant. We will start this first episode of that series with a minute of silence in her memory. My name is Kat Pauze, and this is a fat-friendly space. Welcome to the 100th show of Friend of Maryland. We're celebrating this milestone by recording the show live, like right now, for the very <laughs> for the very first time. So the plan is to spend some time reflecting on what it means to me and the larger fat activist community for the show to be celebrating its 100th episode. But of course, this is live, so it may all turn to custard. Marilyn Wan, the show's namesake, will be joining us for a bit for a fat party. And she isn't the only fat activist joining the broadcasts. We've got messages from fat activists across the world. So... We'll be playing those throughout the show. Of course, there aren't enough words for me to express how grateful I am for their continued support and affection. So let's kick off with one of those now, shall we? Greetings from Substantia Jones of the Adipositivity Project. You know, there's a great Italian expression often used as a toast at birthdays and anniversaries. Centani. It means a hundred or a, or hundred more. So to Cat Pause and friend of Maryland, one of the inspirations for the politicized radio series on WBAI in New York City, I say Chantani. A hundred more to you, Cat. And the lovely Kath Reed from the Fat Heffalump sent me a message on Facebook earlier today that she wanted me to read. Quote, congratulations, Kat, on 100 successful shows. The work you do on your radio program is both entertaining and thought-provoking. Friend of Marilyn is heard around the world and really contributes to improving the quality of life of fat people everywhere. I'm so proud to have been part of the program, and I look forward to the next 100 shows and beyond. Lots of love, Kath.
landscape of radio, there are certain milestones that a program may reach, signifying the progress on the path to world domination. One of those milestones is achieving syndication. Another is having 100 shows. As I write this piece, my fat politics radio show friend of Marilyn is closing in on both. The eve of a 100th show is a really good time for reflection and taking stock. Friend of Marilyn began in August of 2011 at the invitation of the Access Manitou station manager, Fraser Gregg, who's actually here producing the show since it's live. So thank you again for that. Across the last three years, Friend of Marilyn has spoke with 62 individuals, highlighted 100 blog posts from the fatosphere, and played music from over 30 fabulous fat artists. The format of the show hasn't really changed since the beginning. I open by responding to a recent event, comment, or piece of research. I've talked about Samoa Air proposing a pay-what-you-weigh fare for air travel, and Rachel Smalley's accidental on-air mic comment about New Zealand's lardos and heifers. I've shared my thoughts on the New Zealand Adult Nutrition Survey and Otago University's Needn't Food List. Sometimes I share a call for papers or promote an upcoming conference or event. In the middle segment of the show, I invite a guest on to have a chat. Guests have ranged from fat activists across the world, including artists, performers, designers, and even the occasional fat study scholar like Dr. Andrew Dixon, who's also in the studio with me now. In the final segment of each show, I highlight a blog piece from the Fatosphere. Looking back over the last 99 shows, pieces from the Fat Heffalump, Shakespeare, and Radically Visible have been uh, often shared with the listeners. And then I always close the show with a piece of music from a fat artist. Favorites of mine have included Gossip, Heart, Aretha Franklin, and of course, the Donnas. Fat Radio and Podcasts have a fatlicious history. Judith Stein and Meredith Lawrence made some shows in Boston in the 1980s. There was Plain Talk About Fat in 1984 and 30 Big Minutes Within Fat Liberation in 1985. According to a piece by Charlotte Cooper, these two shows aired on International Women's Day on student radio at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. If we move up two decades, we've got Marilyn Wan and Heather McAllister co-hosting a pirate radio show in San Francisco called Fat-A-Tat-Tat, Soundtrack for a Fat Revolution, from 2004 to 2005. Now, I haven't actually been able to track down anywhere online where I can listen to this. So if you know of a link, please let me know so I can include it. From 2008 to 2011, Dr. Peggy Elam and Pat Ballard co-hosted the Health at Every Size radio show on Radio Free Nashville. Other fat podcasts from the decade include the Two Whole Cake Fat Casts by Leslie Kinzel and Marianne Kirby, the Body Love Wellness Podcast by Golda Peretsky, and the Femcast by Bevan Brand-Landingham. You know, I did an interview with a local paper yesterday, and she asked me whether or not people listened in order to send me hate mail. I laughed and uh, asked her to clarify if she was asking if people hate listen to my show. Um, and I had to be honest to say I'm blissfully unaware if people are hate listening to Friend of Marilyn. Most of the feedback I receive outside of the fatosphere is usually triggered by mainstream media attention, not what I write on my blog or say on my show. According to the metrics collected by the station, Friend of Marilyn has around 250 regular listeners and is ranked in the top five of the programs produced by the station. It's recently been added to the Airshare Project, which allows other access radio stations in New Zealand to broadcast the Fat Positive program. I'm not sure what the future holds for Friend of Marilyn as a blog, a Tumblr, a YouTube channel, or a radio show, 
But I hope that I continue to be in a position where I can share my fat positive messages for anyone willing to listen. Now, I've thought about it, and I've got a list of people that I really want to get on the show in the future, like Marianne Kirby, Leslie Kinzel, Paul Campus, Michael Gard, Rachel Calls, and Juicy Delight. And who knows, maybe one of them are listening tonight, and they'll send me a tweet. Hi, Kat. This is Fancy Fat Feminist Melissa McEwen from Shakespeare.com. I just want to say congratulations on your 100th episode. That's so awesome. You're doing terrific work, and I wish you the best on the next 100 and the 100 after that. Much love and admiration to you. Bye. This is Allie Thompson from AllieThompsonArt.com. And um, congratulations to Kat on 100 episodes of Friend of Maryland. I hope we get to hear 100 more. Thanks. Joining me on this 100th live episode of Friend of Maryland is Marilyn Wan, a fat activist based in San Francisco and the author of the book, That's So. Marilyn also happens to be the namesake of this very show. Yeah, woo! Woo! Oh, my goodness. Marilyn, thank you so much for coming back on Friend of Maryland. It's so cool to have you for the 100th show. It is so cool to be here. I send you a big, fat belly bump of congratulations. That is awesome. Fat belly bumps are my favorite form of affection to receive. Um, Now, you were actually my first guest. I don't know if you remembered that, but you were the very first guest. I sure do. Oh, my goodness, was that fun. Thank you for having me back. Well, you know, that was three years ago and now officially 99 shows ago. Um, And I don't know if I've learned much of anything in that time, but I've always really appreciated the support that you've given the show and the fact that you've been willing to come on as a guest several times, including now when it's quite late for you. I'm sure it's past your bedtime in the States. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm a rad fatty ready to, you know, make some body revolution uh, almost any hour of the day or night. That's kind of um, awesome. I almost want yeah, you to have like you a cape. never know what it will involve either. I know, Sometimes right? It's like, radio, which is awesome. Have that cape. We'll travel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Marilyn, so I actually mentioned during a little earlier in the show about the show that you and Heather McAllister had on the pirate radio show, the Fat Tat Tat. Yes, that was so much fun. It was really wonderful to do radio with Heather McAllister. Heather was visionary and. Uh, sadly, it's no longer alive, but she was an amazing, amazing fat activist who, um, uh, among all sorts of activism that she did, and she was the founder and uh, director of Big Burlesque and the Fat Bottom Review, which she started here in San Francisco a few years before we did our radio show, and then she knew some people who were doing a pirate radio station, and we just kind of did a little show, and it was very pirate. You know, we were pushing the buttons and didn't really know what we were doing and we had guests and we played lots of music and we read from fat you know fat and fabulous books and um and that and i'm really sad to say that we never got it together to digitally capture any Mm. of the shows and i think heather may have had some just cassettes (laughs) that were recorded off the air but i don't know that they even exist anymore so that's really too bad well, I have to admit, like, when I think of pirate radio, I think of Christian Slater and pump up the volume. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I can't help it. Absolutely. That's where my mind Everybody goes. Everybody knows the dice are loaded. <laughs> so I totally picture you guys, like, hanging out in a really cool basement with Christian Slater. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> well, if he, if he wants to be on, you know, uh, Heather and I did have a disagreement, a, a very fun disagreement about the name of our show. Oh. I always called it um, Fat-A-Tat-Tat Soundtrack for the Fat Revolution. Right. 
And she said that we, we're not there yet. It's the soundtrack for A Fat Revolution. So I really want to acknowledge that she, uh, you know, she was um, hardcore. No, absolutely. Well, and this was, I mean, this was over a decade ago. So, I mean, if you, do you think if you were to have that conversation with Heather now, do you think she'd think that we were at the point of the fat re- uh, revolution? I don't know. I wish I could ask her. Hmm. Uh, I think she, I think she had high standards in a lot of ways. And I think uh, she wanted to see some really mass changes, really big changes in, in the larger society and that. That awareness may be happening, and I hope it certainly is, but um, you are certainly adding to that with uh, your fabulous show and um, all of us taking up space and using our voices and being heard and being seen is such a huge thing, such a huge thing. I know uh, the, the classic quote from Heather was that anytime there's a fat person on a stage, it's political. If you add in you know, taking off your clothes or dancing or whatever, it becomes just a fabulous act of of culture. I wish I remembered the exact wording of her quote, but that was uh, kind of to that point, you know, where a revolution comes from is exactly in doing what you're doing with your show. Well, you know, um, I was interviewed by our local paper here um, in New Zealand yesterday, and one of the things that she asked me was, you know, what's changed in the the larger culture um, since I started my show three years ago. And I said that, you know, three years is a bit too short of a time probably to really note any true cultural change. But that the one thing that I could say was that when I first started my show, I didn't hear any other parts of the press, at least the mainstream press, talking about any of the same kind of issues I was talking about. Um, And now it's very much different. So we recently had um, an on-air personality, a TV personality, who didn't realize that her mic was still on and made a comment about calling New Zealand women lardos and heifers um, Mm -hmm. if they weighed over 70 kilos. And the average New Zealand weighs 74 kilos. So she was really calling out most of most women in New Zealand. Um, and of course I talked about that on my show, but it, it actually became something that even before I got a chance to talk about it a week later on my show, most of the mainstream press was talking about it and not just in the, oh, you know, right. faux pas, but hey, is this okay that she's calling these women this? And, you know, is there a problem with body shaming here? And what does this mean? So do you think yeah, that, no, that's yeah. a huge, huge thing? And, and, but, you know, here's to Heather's point that we don't have the revolution yet. That TV broadcaster is still in her job, I'm imagining. Like oh well, that, of course. That, <laughs> yeah. No, it would take a lot more than was that. Career-ending for her. No. Uh, where, where, um, you know, other gaffes might have been. So um, that's the level of our outrage. You know. Mm. I mean, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have, um, and anyone that listens to the show knows that the name of the show friend in Maryland comes from the fact that you were the first person that inspired me to believe Aww. that I was not a broken thin person and that there wasn't anything wrong with me. Um, right. I mean, you've, so you've been doing this so much longer than I have. Would you say that you've seen a cultural shift or the start it's of huge. a shift? Yes. The, the change is huge. And the, you're right. In three years, you can't necessarily see the peg move, you know, the short distance, but um, I started uh, doing I came out as a fat person and started being an activist in 94, so it's exactly 20 years ago, almost. And um, people have certainly been doing it before me, and I heard about what things have been like for them. Um, So I had a little bit of an appreciation of how things were before I started, too, and things have definitely changed. At the same time that, that our outrage and our challenge 
to prejudice is growing and mm-hmm. the community is just huge. I mean, there was a time when I felt like I could know everybody who was doing fat activism, and now there's just no way. You know, right. I have to be on Tumblr 48 hours every day <laughs> or on Twitter or on radio. Um, but at the same time that it's expanding so much, um, weight hate is still so um, institutionally proclaimed, and that's expanding too. You know, the rates of stomach amputation and stomach squeezing are increasing. Um, government, uh, government-approved and government-funded uh, shaming campaigns about weight are ex- increasing. So it's it's a really kind of an exciting time to be. Um, uh, taking those challenges to the next, um, to the next level, to the next generations of people involved in it, because I really do think stupidity kind of works out of a culture <laughs> generationally, and each generation kind of you know rings a little less stupid or, yeah. out, of, <laughs> out of the saturated society. So um, it's it's definitely happening. Yes, we I mean, will Mar- win. We are winning. I mean, Marilyn, what would you say, right? So hopefully there's a lot, there's like millions of people that are going to listen to this episode. They're listening now, oh right? Because it's live and it's special. Um, Woo! Woo! Yay! Yay! So, I mean, what would you say to, you know, someone who's listening to this and hasn't ever really been involved in any kind of activism on a, on a micro, meso, or macro kind of level? Like, what would you tell mm-hmm. them is a good kind of like first step or first couple things they could do maybe to start small but get started in making a difference? Well, I have, a, I have a question for people to keep in mind, or just a question to ask people who might be listening and for whom these ideas might be new. If you can't feel at home and happy in your own body right now, where are you? Mm. Where are you supposed to go? Yeah, where can you be happy um, if not in your own skin? Well, and I think we're sold a very, you know, there's a huge profitable industry selling us the idea that we can, you know, if we just buy the right products, we can... It, transform our bodies into a happy body, into a place where we would want to live. It's just a big, big fat lie. And we can, the only place we can live is in our bodies right now, you know? Um, So steps for activism, you know, for me, the classics are to get angry about that kind of existential alienation, the wrong of that. Um, However, it's happening in your own life. And I I really believe that people of all possible body shapes and sizes are experiencing weight oppression directly. So it doesn't matter what you weigh. You could be a very low weight, a very high weight. You could be directly experiencing stuff that you have every reason to be angry about. And then once you're angry, the other thing to tap into is a desire for things to be better, Mm -hmm. right? And so then just find ways that are um, fun and creative and fabulous for you to um, really express and experience both of those things, the anger and the desire for awesomeness. And um, you never know what you'll come up with. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to be doing 20 years later when I started the Fatso zine. I thought, well, I'll just put out this one issue of this print zine and get my rage out and do something (laughs) fun and creative, and then I'll go back to whatever I was doing, writing prose poems or being a journalist or something. And... um, you never know what you'll bring to the world, and, and I'm so excited for all possible friends of Maryland, you know, really friends of weight liberation, to, um, not that I'm synonymous with that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, for us, for us just all to be in this mix mm. together, right, you know, because our lives are short, and here we are, and we should do something really, really great and fun while we're here. 
Well, Marilyn, thank you so much for coming on this 100th episode and being a very, very special guest. It's always thank good to you. have you on the show. Oh, my goodness. This is just the best. You rock. So totally hard and all your <laughs> listeners rock extra rock. hard. So, you know, um, just have a fabulous time. Thank you, ma'am. We appreciate you being on, and I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future. Oh, yay. Thank you so much, Kat. Rock on. Belly bumps. Belly bumps. Hey, this is Steph and Natalie. Nicolosophy. Congratulations, Congratulations, friend of Marilyn, on your hundredth show. Woo! This is Reagan from DancesWithFat.org, and I am so excited that Friend of Marilyn is celebrating its 100th show. Congratulations, Kat, and thanks for the amazing work that you do. Over the years, I've become a professional fat person in New Zealand. And while many have reached out to thank me for the work that I've done, I've also attracted attention from people who find what I do distasteful, disgusting, and or dangerous. They post comments on YouTube, send me harassing emails, troll my online writing, and send me Facebook messages of hate and mockery, always what I love to wake up to in the morning. They express their disbelief at my work and concern over what they perceive as a dangerous message, that fat people deserve the same rights and dignity as non-fat people. They share their disgust with my body and call me hurtful names that I haven't heard since the playground. Many of these people are happy to contradict the work that I do and even sometimes the life that I portray. These strangers insist that they know more about my body and my behaviors than I do. Some things that I often hear are, you can't be that fat without eating at least 4,500 calories a day. I appreciate that you think you're happy, but there's no way that you can be happy being that fat. You are kidding yourself if you think it's okay to be so grossly overweight. Now, these individuals are trying to get me to understand that they are a better judge of my health, my identity, and my life than I am. They believe that they know things about me and are happy to dismiss anything I have to say about my life that doesn't fit in with what they believe they know. So when it comes to fatness and fat bodies, who gets to be a knower? Authority figures, be they physicians, politicians, or others, are happy to speak about issues of weight, health, and behavior. And many of them are happy to do so without having any empirical evidence behind them. Talking point number one, being fat isn't healthy. Cue the nodding. Talking point number two, well, if fat people ate less than exercise, they would no longer be fat. Everyone, of course, nods. Talking point number three, this is the first generation of children who will not live as long as their parents because of fatness. Vigorous nodding ensues. These phrases are often thrown around by authorities, media outlets, individuals, and hell, even cartoon characters. Rarely do they offer any reference for their claims or empirical evidence to support what they say. They are simply knowers, and the truths they speak are known by most and therefore must be true. Full stop. But if you choose to speak out against or challenge those talking points, you'd better have a long list of empirical evidence to back up your claims. You'd better have peer-reviewed, positivistic, empirical articles from medical journals lots of them. And even then, you will most likely be accused of cherry-picking your evidence or falling victim to confirmation bias. If you choose to engage in this kind of research yourself, especially as a fat person, you are simply self-serving and looking for an excuse for your own moral failings. 
How convenient for you that your research finds that you are not the worst thing in the world, responsible for global warming, terrorism, and rising healthcare costs. Sounds like someone is just trying to justify their own fatness. So when it comes to fatness and fat bodies, who gets to produce knowledge? Fat people across the world are told that they are not allowed to know their own lives. They're contradicted by family, friends, and strangers. They're challenged by every caricature of a fat person in movies and television. They're repudiated by the, quote, real fat people on television and in magazines who are unhappy and desperately trying to change their lives by changing their bodies. They're questioned by every negative news story about fatness and fat people. They are presented a single way of being. This is what fat is. This is what a fat person is like. This is what a fat life is like. And anyone who suggests otherwise is either lying or doing fatness wrong. When a fat individual does stand up to their family or friends or classroom or larger community and says, hey, that isn't me. That's not my life. My life and experiences are different. They're ignored, dismissed, infantilized, patronized, or simply called liars. When it comes to fatness and fat bodies, who gets to know? The trolls who contradict me seem to honestly believe that they know me and my life and my behaviors better than I do. And they are angry that I am suggesting a different truth than the one they claim to know. They want to take away any claim I have to agency or an authentic life or have an authentic experience. And they get really, really mad when I refuse to let them. But here's the bottom line for me. Fat people are the ones who know best about their lives, their behaviors, and their experiences. Fat people are knowers and fat people know. Fat people produce knowledge. And if what they have to share, say, or show contradicts the norm or common sense or the accepted truth, then that's too bad. But that doesn't make it any less true. This is Patty Thomas in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, wishing Cat Pause a happy 100th Friend of Maryland radio show. How exciting. I can't believe it. 100 episodes. I think I was on like the third or fourth one, and I can't believe that's been two years ago. But anyway, congratulations, and here's to 100 times 100 more. Hang in there, and thank you for great radio. Hi, Kat. This is Charlotte Cooper calling from London in the UK. Congratulations on your 100th show, a fantastic achievement. Um, You probably know that there have been other fat activists on the radio and making podcasts. Judith Stein and Meredith Lawrence produced some programs in the Boston area um, in the 1980s. And Heather McAllister and Marilyn Wan had a show in San Francisco about a decade later. And you might also remember Bevin Brand-Landigam's Femcast podcast, which was pretty great and ran for a couple of years in the 2000s. Um, There may well be others, but I'm fairly sure that yours is the longest running Well done. Thank you so much for the support you've given fat troublemakers around the world, me included. Long may this continue. Okay, see ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Friend of Maryland. Friend of Maryland is brought to you by Access Manawatu, 999 AM. If you'd like to contact the show with questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions for topics or guests, please email us, friendofmaryland at aol.com. You can also find Friend of Maryland on Twitter and Tumblr. Closing the show today is the show's theme music, Gossip with Standing in the Way of Control.
applause for Cat Posey. Hip hip. 